you mentioned there obviously the partnership with Leo Messi, like arguably the goats. I was on that side before uh, working as a partner <laughs> with him, but yeah, I'm firmly in that camp. I think you're probably legally binded to say that now. <laughs> yeah, there is that as well, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, look, we could talk about this debate all day, and I'm sure like it will go on for, for years and years to come. But one of the great, I thought, campaigns that we saw last year was when he broke the goal-scoring record at Barcelona and Budweiser sent out a personalised beer bottle to every keeper that had ever sort of like conceded a goal to him. That must have been so much fun to have worked on. Yeah, in- incredible campaign to work on. I mean, we worked with Copper 90 on it, Deutsch, ourselves, all kind of worked together on delivering the campaign. What certain parts of the campaign we were going to tease, like how far out from him breaking the record were we going to in- introduce the partnership? So there was all sorts of different elements to plan for. Welcome to this week's episode of Brown Wars. Well, I say this week, as usual, we've been a bit slack with getting the podcast out, but we're back after a few weeks break and uh, we're kicking off an exciting little run of guest episodes with a man that combines two of our first loves, football and beer. So joining us this week is George Crew, who is Global Content and Community Manager with Budweiser UK. Uh, and prior to that, he was a Social Campaigns Manager at Joe Media and worked on some, well, much, much better podcasts than this one, frankly, including House of Rugby with James Haskell. So hopefully he can uh, teach us a thing or two about uh, what it takes to make a good podcast. And while you're here, please do give us a follow on Instagram at Pod. So without further ado, we welcome George to the stage. George, thanks so much for joining us on Brambles Pods. How are you doing? Yeah, all good, thank you. Things have started to reopen up this week, so that's that's been nice, especially as it's my girlfriend's birthday yesterday, so she's very happy we actually get to go out for some meals and don't have to <laughs> sit outside in the rain. Um, Absolutely. I, I mean, I took my girlfriend out a few times, and I think after maybe the second time, well, probably after getting caught in the rain twice, yeah. she literally just goes, we're never going out again, not until we can sit inside. <laughs> never going that was out it. again. That was it. <laughs> So I love uh, those. Yeah. Um, I was like, I love those pictures of or videos of like all these British people sat outside oh. with like umbrellas and like yeah. <laughs> the uh, the TikTok. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It was like, tell me you live in England without telling me you live in England, and it's everyone at the pub. It's shifting it down with rain. They've all got you know umbrellas and stuff. Um, it's just so on point. <laughs> I'm very British about that. Absolutely. Well. For all of our lovely listeners who don't know what you do, could you quickly give a quick intro intro to yourself and uh, what you do at Budweiser? Yes, so I'm Global Social Media Manager for Budweiser. Initially joined around 18 months ago, working for ABNB's in-house agency, Draftline. Um, and my initial job title was actually Social Media Manager for Football as Budweiser. I just have a huge uh, advertising space in football. I have a lot of different partnerships with leagues and players. And then my, my role has kind of evolved. I, I still do the football side of things, but now also look after global Budweiser handles as well. Cool. Now, for maybe those that don't work in marketing, uh, yeah. we always do like to kind of break it down a little bit further. Yeah. How do you describe your job to your mum and dad? Because it's all good telling us about social media yeah. and stuff. We, we live and work it, so it's <laughs> fine. But maybe those that, that don't, how would you describe it? Yeah, well, well, well sometimes for, for ease, if I'm just explaining it to my mum and dad, it is just social media. So their social media knowledge probably goes as far as 
Facebook, Instagram, maybe Twitter as well. <laughs> um, not too much of the kind of nuances beyond that, but um, yeah, in terms of in terms of explaining it to kind of the everyday person, yeah, it's very much kind of all the way through from whether it's campaign ideation, content ideation, all the way through to delivery and then reporting on campaigns and content coming up with new ways of working trialing different things in social media as we as you guys probably know social media is a ever-changing landscape so whether it's trying different platforms different content formats yeah that's that's kind of very much the day-to-day running of things yeah i know i mean i i know the feeling i think my mum's very slowly gotten on to i mean she's big on instagram i think at the moment and, okay. and facebook i think my mum now spends most of the time choosing what song to put on her uh, instagram story which brings me and my sister the most amount of joy which spend about <laughs> half an hour trying to find the right one that, that yeah. works uh which is just great comedy value just to kind of watch her struggle for for 10 minutes but <laughs> and prior to this um joe you work for <laughs> george you work for joe media correct yeah i was i was there again so about the same kind of time currently been at uh, Budweiser for just under a year and a half. Um, so initially started working there, social social media executive, and then became social campaigns manager. So I tended to predominantly work on the commercial side of the business. So working with different kind of brands on branded activations. Um, a huge part of that was kind of working on different shows and podcasts. Uh, we, we, we launched a uh, rugby podcast with Guinness, really successful, called House of Rugby, which you guys may have known. We did a cricket one with Rubicon around like, the Cricket World Cup, uh, Swanee's Cricket Show. We did football one with Paddy Power, Liquid Football. So yeah, that was kind of the flagship of the of the commercial side of the business. Um, we, we did smaller kind of campaigns around smaller social bite-sized content, but that, that was very much kind of... Uh, the shining star of the commercial side of the business room. Yeah, really enjoyable to work on because like I touched on when we were chatting before, it was kind of the first phrase different brands and, and publishers are kind of taken into making a podcast, a visual show as well, which is great. So obviously you get, you get two bites of the cherry in terms of an audience. It's great then for making different cut downs that live across social channels and kind of signposting people to episodes and content. So yeah, really, really exciting time to, to work and work on that. I think, you know, podcast is something we talked quite a bit about recently because, you know, there's all sorts of ways that brands can get involved, but I guess it'd be great to hear, I know we're jumping back to your uh, old haunts, but it'd be great to, I guess, get your thoughts, especially with those branded podcasts or, you know, those sponsored podcasts, how best that those brands, you know, how did you make the most of those sponsorships, I guess, and what was the real benefit for the brand? Yes. I mean, it's always difficult when I talk about not to just just go to the house rugby one because it was it was the most successful. It was the first one we did, but it was mm. also the most successful one we did. I mean, we had a really nice branded segment within the show there, which was called called the Perfect Pint, where James Haskell and Mike Tinder, whoever the guest might be, had to name like a rugby fifteen in 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 the time it takes to pour a perfect pint of Guinness. So you're kind of getting that brand recognition each week. We also had like a a popular fans Facebook group where people would be suggesting what they want to see in that branded segment. So, I mean, I think in terms of a brand, that's just incredible to actually have people talking about something that is, that takes the length of that pint to be poured. I mean, Guinness has always, I think they've always been a great brand anyway, in terms of having that recognition with, with consumers. Yeah. I think that's kind of the best example. I mean, great, just nice little nods to their branding as well. And the set as well. Nothing too too overboard, obviously mentioned in like in stings and, and intros, but I think it was always best if brands kind of understood that obviously it's a sponsored podcast, but you still need to have that balance so it, it does it doesn't seem forced. Does that go 
more beyond, you know, I'm, I know you've probably seen the map now where they have almost like integrated ads, like like read out, almost like what they would, what I imagine would be like on the radio. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about about something like that? Is that even worth doing for brands, or is it, is it kind of like how you would do it for YouTube, where you do have to kind of find it, make sure it's the right audience first and foremost? Yeah, I mean, I, I listen to I listen to quite a lot of like football podcasts on the Athletic where they have a lot of those kind of adverts that you, you mention. I think, yeah, I mean, if, if it's the right brand that fits that fits the audience, then great. But then you hear some odd ones that might be, I don't know, like order a box of wine or something, which, yeah, okay, you might have some people that listen to it, they're into that. But I just don't, I think it's a very small portion of that audience that advertising could be probably better placed elsewhere. I mean, I know what you mean. I think as well, you know, you talked about it being like a proper branded segment. So you take it beyond that live read, because I think a lot of, you know, now we're seeing this kind of um, Patreon model anyway, where lots of podcasts are blocking out the live, like are muting the live reads anyway. So even, you know, for those dedicated people who are paying, they're not going to get that anyway. Whereas if it's a bit more of an entertainment section, you know, where it's built into the podcast, you know, they're less likely to probably mute that as it's actually, you know, a real feature of the show. Exactly. Yeah. We also had a boxing podcast, Carl Frampton, which was sponsored by 32 Red. Like we, we had some like back and forth and what different ideas could be for their brand and segment, but they were very keen on it, obviously landing the 32. So it was always like a 32 second challenge, which kind of, I suppose, a, a bit of an evolution of the, the, the perfect pint one, I was saying with Guinness, but it just it never quite landed and didn't, and didn't quite work as well didn't work well as a social cut down didn't kind of have that same fan engagement so i think it's just there can be a fine line between what works and what doesn't but i think you also need the brand to kind of go along on that journey with you and, and kind of trust trust your like, editorial mouse if, if you're working with a publisher on a podcast per se well before i go on to asking one of our week questions i do want to know obviously you mentioned they listen to a few different podcasts on the go yeah. now obviously brand wars to one side obviously that's number one but what's maybe the maybe level number one maybe just shy number two podcast that you listen to at the moment oh podcast at the moment i mean yeah i've, I've flitted between quite a few obviously over especially over the last year kind of having more time i've actually got one i'm going to say at the moment it's, it's really quite niche it's called the brazilian shirt name podcast <laughs> what, what's that what about just harvey like could i be harvino just give my give my myself my own brazilian name yeah yeah that works works quite nicely yeah <laughs> um so that's where i don't know if you've ever heard of like the world football phone in the bbc do it has like tim vickery and dotton adebayo obviously and then they've branched out into this other podcast but they what they do is they pick a moment in time and they pick a game from like a historical game so like i think they did um when England beat Germany 5-1 in 2001. So they will go back and look back on the game, but then they look back on other things that were happening around the time. So what was in the news, what the kind of political state was in the world at the time, what what was in the charts. And then it's just a really nice kind of cultural journey back into different eras. Which are, Because as much as I like love sport and love, love football in particular, like it gets a bit kind of samey listening to just okay, a review of what happened. And especially... Yeah. Especially with the uh, quick turnaround in, in games and stuff now, like some a review of uh, a batch of games is soon soon out of date. So it's actually quite nice listening to something that's a little bit more historical and just and, and takes football into a wider context as well. Hmm. Yeah, it reminds me of um, like Premiership years on Sky Sports. That was always yeah, yeah. It, it is. It does have that. It does have that same kind of feel. Um, so yeah, that's. I mean. A bit, I suppose it's a bit like asking what you, your favourite artist is. It, it changes quite a lot with podcasts, but that's um, yeah, yeah. That, that's kind of 
that's the one I look forward to a new episode dropping at the minute anyway <laughs> I know I've been binging that Peter Crouch podcast I, yeah. I, I, I was I've listened to it before and then I kind of like dropped off and now I'm like oh, crap I've got like five weeks of catching up to do on the on the bounce but I know what you mean with the time hop element as well like Lloyd and I are big NFL fans we've spoken about it a number of times like in previous episodes and during the season, the NFL podcast, there's literally one every single day. Like, I don't know what they've got to talk about most of the time. Yeah. But even with yeah. all the games coming, like, you know, Thursday, Sunday, Monday, that's great. But then as soon as you miss one, you're like, well, okay, well, can we look back at, like, previous Super Bowls or something like that? Yeah, exactly. Um, which would be quite interesting. Well, before we get on, I have to ask, what is your favourite brand of all time? Yeah, I was I was looking at this this question in the preview, um, and I th- I th- for this one, well, before we go on to favorite kind of unheard of brand, I thought favorite <laughs> brand I'd, I'd go for one that I've always found is to be very useful. So I'm going to say I'm going to say Spotify, um, which plays into a little bit of what we've just been talking about a podcast. <laughs> and I think I think it also has something to do with my age because I think just when I was like at the age of started going to like house parties and stuff, I can even vividly remember now someone being like, "Oh, there's this." There's this thing you can put on, you can just play any song. Mm. Obviously, before that, it was like people take CDs around or like you're on downloading <laughs> dodgy songs off LimeWire or something. But it was like people would be like fighting to plug their iPod into yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly that. Yeah. It was like, okay, this is just this is just bank of music all in one place. But in terms of like, yeah, the, the brand themselves, I just think they've they've very much kind of taken taking a consumer first approach especially when i think recently in the last few years when they do things like yearly reviews which have gone wild on on social and spread far and wide the fact of the way they've kind of tailored the system and their algorithms kind of to suggest new music and new podcasts to, to people that use the platform but i i've i've personally found like new new podcasts from like suggested shows on there and that's just um rather than it just it just takes away takes away that need to have to search for everything it keeps you all in keeps you always on, on their platform and i can't imagine ever kind of having to go anywhere else to stream music podcasts any, anything no i remember being younger and i was really anti it i think for a long time yeah. you, everything was on apple you had itunes i just you know as you say just binge line wire if you wanted something you probably just try and find it for free yeah but i was like no i've got all my music in one place this is what i like but as I think I, I did one of those like three month trials and I literally went, this is a game changer Yeah. me now. Like I had it before where, you know, there was adverts every few minutes. And I was like, didn't want to pay the £10 a month. But now you kind of just felt like, as you, as you said, I was evolved with the curated playlists, you know, the rewind and, and stuff like that to it. And um, I remember you know, finding new music, just watching music videos from like MTV. And now the only place you'll find new music is streaming on Spotify. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very, very similar journey to myself. With it. And I just, yeah, I just, I, I think, I think it sometimes goes under the radar really how it's kind of gazumped Apple music, really. I mean, obviously that still has, a, I mean, it is still there. Mm. One capacity and people still do have that affinity with Apple music. But I, but I know from within my own uh, inner circles that people tend to just use, use Spotify now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a sort of once you've like there was yeah, there's pride in the old days of having a music collection, wasn't there? And now once you sort of get over that <laughs> need to own music, it definitely uh, changes things. But um, we've done an episode on Spotify, which was one of the first ones we did, and um, it's just a. I guess it's it's interesting now that um, you know Spotify might have a have a hand in football if uh, Daniel Eck has his 
has his ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seen seen plen- plenty of jokes about that. <laughs> um, Spurs fans saying we'll stop stop streaming music on there. Oh, I mean, it'll make more noise than Arsenal fans, <laughs> won't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Very funny, Chris. <laughs> Sorry, mate. I had, I had to. I had, I had to get a nibble out there. <laughs> well, yeah. That's what you know. You were saying, George, about you know podcast being um, monotonous nowadays. Yeah, it's just oh, Arsenal have lost again. Let's <laughs> digest the result. I don't, I don't need to ask. I don't need to ask who you support them. <laughs> no, no. So Chris doesn't like talking about football anymore because when, as soon as Liverpool won the league, he thinks they've just completed football and doesn't he doesn't need to do it anymore. And uh, this, and look, I, I mean, I could go back to the age-old thing and Liverpool fans go, next year's going to be our year. And, you know, the cycle's going to start again. So I suppose we've completed it for the next 30 years and we'll be fine. We'll come back round again. <laughs> so m- moving on to, I guess, the the big part of the, of the pod. Now, obviously, like working with Budweiser, you know, you're all over sport with obviously, like, as you mentioned previously, like before we went on air, that your links to leagues, teams and, and everything sort of in between. Yeah. How did, and obviously you only started there, as you said, like 18 months ago. So basically, like right before we went into lockdown in the first place, really, how did yeah. you guys deal with that? Like, how did you guys adapt to what was going on within the world of sport, really? Yeah, so, so yeah, I had very much a, a whirlwind start really because I I joined I joined in January 2020. I say kind of predominantly working on the kind of football side of things within Budweiser. So like straight into the deep end, like working on some of our like always on assets we produce for like Premier League and the Liga, organising like shoots and we present, get to present players who win the Goal of the Month award. And then also separately as another. Another vertical Budweiser is uh, is Budex, kind of like an experiential side of Budweiser. And in my first week, got to go to Miami for Budex Miami Ooh. with the um, with the Super Bowl. So yeah, so whirlwind start straight out to Miami. I thought, wow, this is this is a uh, some right. job. I got back from Miami two days later. I was down in down in Brighton for a Golden Month show. I was like, wow, this is a this is a hundred miles an hour. This job um, <laughs> in a good way. Like, it was it was great because that was kind of one of the things that. That attracted me kind of getting to do a bit more travel and work and a, a global brand so obviously that's going to bring some more travel about it but then obviously soon soon after then things things swiftly changed so re- our, our positioning initially was to as in terms of the football side of things at Budweiser as the leagues were pausing we kind of paused the content we were doing because it wasn't really kind of wanted to see what the lay of the land was didn't really want to be saying anything that seemed kind of Kind of off off tone or anything with with the current state of the world. Um, then we kind of slowly through a bit of kind of social listening and seeing how the brands were reacting, seeing that people were well into nostalgia at the time, especially with with no sport happening. So we played into that a little bit. Just did some kind of like uh, looking back stuff with with the Premier League, especially because we have access to their um, video archive, so we can use content for that for for. Um, branded content so yeah we, we did a bit of that and then to be honest it, it felt like it went quite quickly because we were we had at one time we were producing that and then at the same time we we're also kind of getting ready for what season two may look like and also having on the horizon our upcoming partnership with uh leo messi so there was there was still a lot of work to get on within the background despite cert- despite certain things coming to a halt you uh you mentioned there obviously the the partnership with Leo Messi, like arguably yeah. 
arguably the goats. Um, yeah. I guess it depends which side of the fence you're on, Ronaldo or, I, or I, Messi. I was, on, I was on that side before, uh, even before uh, working working <laughs> as a brand partner with him. But yeah, yeah, I'm I'm firmly in that camp. I think you're probably legally binded to say that now. <laughs> yeah, there is that as well. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm I'm probably leaning towards towards Messi. I can't say Ronaldo only because he's you know obviously played for United and he's a he's a title animal, but. Like Messi's just just like almost like a footballing wizard, just because like Ronaldo's had to really graft it and really earn it. Yeah, but yeah. He's, I mean he's earned it in his in his own right. Well, I mean look, we we could talk about this debate all day, and I'm sure like <laughs> it will go on for for years and years to come. But you mentioned there the partnership with Leo Messi, and one of the great I thought campaigns that we saw last year was when he broke the goal scoring record at Barcelona. And Budweiser sent out a personalised beer bottle to every keeper that had ever sort of like conceded a goal to him. That must have been so much fun to have worked on. I hope you didn't have to do all the sticky labels for, for everyone. That would have taken forever. Yeah, th- thank, thankfully I wasn't involved in that uh, the actual <laughs> product production side of things. Um, but yeah, yeah, in- incredible cam- campaign to work on. I mean, I think... I wouldn't want to say the exact timelines, but I think a lot of it was kind of in the pipeline even before I joined. That's how kind of how far in advance it was it was planned. And then yeah, it was kind of very much a, a multi-agency collaboration. We worked with Copper Ninety on it, uh, Deutsch uh, and ourselves kind of all all kind of worked together on delivering the campaign. Kind of what the what certain parts of the campaign we were going to tease, like how far out from him breaking the record were we going to in, introduce the partnership. So there was there was all all sorts of um, all sorts of different elements to plan for and yeah the, the planning went on for months we, we we were always trying to second guess when he was going to break the record I mean he actually had, he actually had by his standards a little bit of a slow start to the um to the season so I think like the initial projection on his current on his usual rate of scoring was he was going to break the record in like October last year and then it, it didn't end up happening until like mid well it was just before Christmas actually in December <laughs> Like when um, Jermaine Defoe or someone, was it Jermaine Defoe was like coming up to break some record or the, um, it was like the Tottenham goal scoring record or something and, or it was a hundred Premier League goals or something like that. And it took him like 10 games to do it. And he was, he was every game he was wearing this t-shirt underneath <laughs> with like a hundred on it. And he just, <laughs> it took him like 10 games to break the record or something like that. It's like any huge activation there was. There was bumps along the road. Obviously, there was the potential that he might he might even leave Barcelona. So then there was this, the well, yeah, concern of course, that, yeah, concern. Oh, this <laughs> this this moment we're planning for might actually be redundant. Um, but, <laughs> um, but no, thankfully, thankfully stayed and um, and worked out his differences and yeah, um, eventually broke the record. And yeah, it was it was incredible. We obviously planned for a big PR activation with with the bottles, but yeah, we we were blown away by how how far and wide it went we worked closely with like our the different markets Budweiser um, worked closely with Leo Messi's team worked closely with La Liga to kind of spread the campaign far and wide as we could I mean we even we as part of the as part of the campaign we kind of set up to do some interviews with some of the goalkeepers that he had scored against so Jan Oblek, Kepa, Ariza Balaga from Chelsea and everyone scored against him yeah, <laughs> and and Gianluigi Buffon. They were that was all, all all planned, but then we actually actually uh, turned out we actually had goalkeepers like DMing us asking to be they wanted to be mm. part, part of the campaign, which was which was incredible. Um, like asking like can they can they uh, be interviewed for it? So yeah, I do remember. I think seeing like 
Buffon doing a, a post about it, and maybe it was yeah. through Copa 90 as well, but he had like a sponsored post. So I guess that I was going to ask, maybe there was a few where you just sort of singled them out, you know, as the higher profile keepers or maybe ones that he'd scored against multiple yeah, times. Yeah, yeah that, that was it. But like I said, we, we ended up getting um, far more earned posts than we were expecting and um, which just helped the, take the take the campaign to a whole whole another level. And I think the, the real positive was no one really took it as a slight. It was it was very much kind of congratulating the goalkeepers as being part part of the journey. I mean, there was a few jo- jokes knocking around on like Castellas and Diego Alves who had conceded a lot of goals to to Messi, but it was all all taken in in good spirit in the end, and people understood that it was recognising being part of his incredible achievement. And and the goalkeepers that received the bottles were all were all like overwhelmed to to be um to be mentioned as part of the story. Big old goal, goalkeepers union, uh, yeah, right there. Exactly. If you watch the Pit Crash podcast, they, I think Ben Foster seemed to have coined it the keepers union. But yeah. it'd be quite cool if you were someone maybe like Joe Hart, who I think conceded one, he just got like the singular bottle. But you get, yeah, you yeah. see us gets 18 or some, something like that. He's, yeah, I, I forget the exact numbers off the top of my head, but yeah, there was a few, <laughs> there was a few funny, um, Tweets going around about CS receiving his receiving his bottles or after he drank them all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Joe Hart, Hart has that. Um, Joe Hart had that like mad game against him, didn't he? Where he just like went ultra yeah, yeah, mode and yeah. just just had that unbelievable game. Yeah, well, probably probably one of his last last good games. Mm. <laughs> mm. I I'm, I did see something obviously very recently the FA Cup final. Um, you know, happened I think the other week. Leicester winning it for the first time ever, beating Chelsea. I saw this amazing activation that got, they got shared from from Budweiser with all the clubs being open and stuff. They, correct if I'm wrong, they use basically all their ad space to to promote local pubs and things like that. Now yeah. I know obviously you look after more global activations and things, but I don't know if you'd be able to give give a bit of an insight of of how that one worked and and what happened there. Yeah, sure. Firstly, I was I was actually very very lucky to be there as a as a Leicester fan at Wembley on Saturday. <laughs> so it was, it was a good day good day for myself. It was a Budweiser UK activation. They are one of the sponsors of, of the FA Cup. Obviously, usually have the kind of LED sponsorship around around the side of the pitches. So the, the team there actually works closely with some of the um, <clears throat> creative team in our uh, in house team at Draftline to put together this campaign, which was around supporting some of the local pubs whether they had reopened or hadn't or were about to for the time of year we're in and then just to give away the advertising space to them as a beer brand yeah we very much know how how big a part pubs play in community especially around football whether it's people go for a pre-match or post-match pint so yeah we, we just wanted to kind of give give something back to these local pubs that mean so much to the fans and um Kind of give them the give them the give them the platform. How did you choose which pubs made the cut? Well, luckily we have we have a Chelsea fan in house and also myself a Leicester fan in house. So we we identified um, what the kind of usual usual pubs along the routes for match day fans when when they're able to go. So yeah, we, it was yeah it was it was great and it's been really well received and um, yeah it was um, it was just great to showcase these pubs and hopefully see them back on their feet soon because as as much uh, traders brands like ourselves do in shops and retail it's it's obviously pubs where we we see the heart of the brand and the heart of our consumers so we're, we're happy to uh happy to support them where we can 100 percent. i 
my uh, my friend who lives a few two doors down, he's just moved to Swansea and was really keen to watch the Swansea playoff game on on Monday night. We went to into this local pub near us in Clapham, and there was literally nobody in there that wanted to watch the football. We asked, "Can you turn the volume up?" And they're like, "Like we're <laughs> we're not bothered." But there is nothing that beats like going in and literally buying a pint, sitting down and watching football and just catch up with friends. You know, we've been able to do it sitting outside, but you know, the weather really hasn't quite gotten the memo. So it's not quite the same as, as we discussed earlier. So at least we can sit inside now and, and enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, long, long may that continue. And hopefully uh, the pubs are going to stay open now. And obviously, hopefully, back end of this season, going to next season, stadiums will reopen as well. So people get to enjoy these pubs on match days again. Absolutely. June 21st can't come sooner, can it, guys? Yeah. Yeah, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed that, that date's not going to change. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. Well, to to wrap up wrap up this episode, as always, George, we we want to know what is your favourite brand that nobody's heard of. Okay, well, I, I found it hard to find one that probably no one has heard of, but the probably the most niche brand that I'm a big fan of in terms of I buy a lot of their clothing and is Art of Football. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. They originated in Nottingham, which and I think they have a strong affiliation with Nottingham Forest fans. So because <laughs> the Leicester City fan isn't something I should be picking up really. But um no they're 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 great great brand. They very much kind of talk talk to football fans. I think maybe of a certain era, maybe of similar age to myself, but they create a lot of uh, bespoke bespoke merchandise for um, mm-hmm. for different football clubs whether it and just lots of nice hand-drawn illustrations whether it's kind of poster art or on t-shirts they create bespoke um hats as well made out of old football shirts and and they just i think in terms of uh in terms of their social as well i just think they're really really good on there and they kind of really talk to talk to football fans and and they're just very good at creating different branded merchandise that just lands at a certain moment so i think when Kylian Mbappe scored for PSG a few weeks ago against Barcelona where they had the thing of him, PK trying to grab his shirt. They they soon like got on that moment and created a t-shirt in that honour. Same with actually Leicester winning the FA Cup. They've created the uh, illustration of, of the goal going in. And I just I just think it's a really nice space because I think in the last in the last few years, people have really become nostalgic with when it comes to I think sport in general, but especially football, people have become a little bit tired of new new kits and things because there's, there's mm. one there's one like every nine months and people. And they're still like seventy pound a pop. You can't really go and buy buy a football shirt, you know, anymore. It's not not affordable. Exactly. Yeah, and I the think... players never stay long enough. Like, I, like, <laughs> like um, I was looking at the new like the new Arsenal away kit is really really nice, and I was like looking at what named like if I was to buy one and get my name get the name on the back, and I was like. No one's, no one's guaranteed to be here beyond like two years. No, exactly, exactly. So I think, just think it's a really nice space. Like there's obviously been the rise of certain brands like classic football shirts who particularly just sell old old shirts. But I think this is just a nice kind of evolution of that, where it's actually creating bespoke piece of clothing for for football fans across. Well, it's across the UK. I mean, they're doing a lot of. See, they're doing a lot of different designs now for the Euros. So I think it just plays really nicely in the space. And from from what I see and what I follow, they just seem to keep growing and growing. And it's nice to see like a independent brand doing that because I think it's especially in the world of sport, it's difficult for brands to cut through in that way. Uh, yeah, just enjoy enjoy seeing seeing that happen. 
I'll definitely, I'm, I'm definitely going to give them a look if they've got any like weird stuff. I think I, I have just given them a Google to be fair. And yeah. there's already one, one t-shirt, which I'm like lying, eyeing up already, actually. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, they've got all these like, it's kind of like Ralph Lauren-esque with the teddy bears all dressed up in like classic, classic yeah. shirts and things like that. I'm all for it. I'm all for yeah, it. Yeah. I, I've, I've actually got one of those t-shirts. So <laughs> which one have you got? I've got one with the, he's wearing like a Leicester City shirt and holding a can of beer, I think it is. So <laughs> Perfect, perfect. Hopefully you wore that one on uh, FA Cup final day. Oh, I had a different shirt for FA Cup final day, but I've got <laughs> quite an array because like I say, plays in the space. I, I do like my kind of classic football shirts and old, old retro kits and things like that. So, so yeah, if, if you make a purchase, I'll have to let them know that um, I pointed you in the right direction. So 100%. Mission, surely. <laughs> absolutely it'd be well deserved as well i think you gave it a pretty good sell yeah <laughs> well george thanks so much for joining us mate really appreciate it and um, yeah hear about new brands every day love to hear um hear about your journey through joe budweiser and, and obviously congrats from leicester city winning uh fa cup for the first time ever yeah thank you i've, I've still been celebrating so <laughs> <laughs> i wondered why you were slurring <laughs> no yeah thanks again guys and um, yeah look forward to sharing with you soon <laughs>